Welcome to UCLA Extension's Business Insights with Roger Ternaden, where we highlight hot topics and underlying economic trends useful to you. For longtime listeners, the evidence is in. We called for serious and long-lasting inflation more than a year ago. Now, Jay Powell, head of the Federal Reserve, officially pronounces that he must change Fed policies because of the long-term inflation dangers. Let's review why everyone should be concerned, and concerned enough, to review their family income, family expenses, and investments. First off, high inflation damages the lifestyles of those on fixed investments, primarily Social Security. Last year, approximately 70 million Americans were Social Security recipients. But the increase each year during COVID is running close to 5 million new recipients each year. Think of that, going from 65 to 70 million in a year. That's a different topic, but it's really important, as it impacts the time when Social Security funds are scheduled to be depleted, which is now estimated to be about 12 years from now. Back to today. Remember during our two years of podcasts, we've continually made the point that inflation is increasing at much higher rates than the official indices measure. In our prior podcast, we summarized many specific product and service prices measured by the numerous government agencies that report many year-to-year increases And in the last podcast, we reported specific increases, many of which were in the 15 to 50, that's 50 50% plus over the past year, including many elements of food, rent, and energy prices. All of these increases hit those on fixed income pretty hard. Despite the 5.9% increase in Social Security benefits this year, which was based on the official cost of living indices. For additional perspective, our U.S. workforce is estimated to total over 150 million, but our retired workforce now totals over 70 million, or almost 50% of those working and earning part-time or full-time incomes. The workforce overall is not increasing versus the past couple of years, but the retired totals are steadily and rapidly climbing. To these totals, we can add at least another 10 million Americans who are neither retired nor working, but capable of working. In other words, the unemployed. High inflation takes away the livelihoods of more than 80 million especially for those who are not homeowners, which I'd estimate to be the vast majority of the 80 million. Our inflation has pushed the stock market to new highs, bonds to new highs, and residential real estate in most markets to new highs. These 80 million, the renters, primarily renters, are left out. Worse than left out, rental renewals are going up nationally well over 10%, and some markets well over 15%. Given that renters pay 40 to 50% of their incomes as rent, utilities, and renter insurance when they can afford it, you can see that the new squeeze is coming when food and energy are also inflating at well more than 10% a year. So that 5.9% increase in Social Security payments is totally inadequate versus the household expense increases we're witnessing. 
Inflation also hits our youngest in terms of quality of life. We can start with childcare, which can take away most or all of the extra income of a working spouse. Fortunately for some, the remote workforce, the alternatives for work at home, seem destined to continue growing. Whether work-at-home income for the spouse caring for the children will replace pre-COVID paychecks and return schools to some normalcy still remains to be seen. I think it's true that every economic recession and recovery has differences, but it's also true that businesses and economic cycles continue regardless of the root causes. And why is that? Because Americans in particular are inventive, creative, confident, and always pursuing positive change. The web is just one example of many. The web is only about 20 years old and came from research to improve communications. In one generation, the web has impacted and continues to impact all families, all businesses, all jobs, and everyone's lifestyles. The web spawned digital transformations that have completely disrupted local transportation, food deliveries, merchandise orders and deliveries, as well as global and local navigation, including some additional areas such as 3D printing and much, much more. All of these lifestyle enhancements get plugged into our lives and businesses pretty much real time as they develop. There's no master plan. Some markets are so disrupted that many retailers and restaurants cannot adapt for various reasons. An important reason is that their past investments in land, building, and equipment are becoming obsolete at a rapid pace, thereby forcing them to reduce jobs. An issue across all our industries is that digitally related jobs, whether they be Amazon, Google, Netflix, our restaurant industry, and so forth, are created in far smaller numbers than the businesses made obsolete. Let me say that in a better way. The jobs that are created by the leaders in our digital transformation industries create a far smaller number of new jobs than the jobs they take away. And we've seen that with Amazon, with the local retailers, but generally, if you really think about it, you can find a lot of examples where the number of new jobs is far less than the jobs that have been made obsolete or redundant. Inflation does add substantial complexity The working majority facing digital competition is impacted very differently than the smaller number of those in digital leadership jobs. Home prices either become more unaffordable or it becomes less and less a possibility to put aside an adequate nest egg, no pun intended. Our part of the population who have stock and bond market investments prospered substantially in the past two years and continue to prosper even more. At the same time, many find it harder to create any savings. As a result, inflation concentrates more and more wealth into the hands of the homeowners and investors while making it increasingly difficult for those just entering the workforce and those having jobs in the pre-digital economy and even those close to retirement, or and especially those in retirement. As always, those continuing to work must absolutely update their educations to digitally transform themselves regardless of age. Economic transformation, we should always recall, is not so personal. In fact, 
It is highly impersonal, as it represents the coming together of newer and newer technologies and increasing digital business practices. For example, most job interviews today are not face-to-face. So to do well in a virtual job interview, the candidate needs additional skills, some of which relate to self-presentation, including word choices, recording rehearsals, word choice, and plain old confidence, to name just a few. With our new remote practices that impact just about every business and job and employer, The business hiring manager or the hiring business needs to know or needs to strongly feel that you can be counted on in terms of work ethic, team collaboration, and performance. And performance can be many things like work quality, meeting deadlines, brief on-target reports, and so forth. But let's move now to the financial markets. A universal truth is that no one knows when financial markets reach peaks and troughs. The best one can do, in my experience, is to understand where we are in terms of major market trends. That being said, it's entirely possible to either prepare for what I call reversion to the mean or to ignore the market changes that occur daily, weekly, and monthly, which is pretty dangerous. For example, assume the long-term multi-decade trend in Southern California house prices is 3 to 4% a year. It's pretty much in that area. When we experience three or four or more years of 5 to 10% or more than 10% increases, is it best to assume that we are about to revert to the mean of 3 to 4% or just assume the high growth will continue year after year? Would you buy a second home with a new mortgage or decide to sit tight waiting for the market to decline in order to get back to that long-term trend? In 2006-2007, many homeowners chose to pretty much ignore the trends and buy a second home. Bad decision. In 2008-2009, many of those new second home purchases were taken over by the banks as mortgage payments could not be met by the new purchasers. How about now with the stock market? Throughout last year, in these podcasts, it was suggested that we should all realize that the FANG stocks plus Microsoft, and the FANG stocks would be Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, Google, plus Microsoft, were carrying the Standard & Poor's 500 index, while many other indices in tandem were hitting new highs, having a small number of high-tech, large high-tech firms. Similar to the just-mentioned real estate example, are we in a new, never-before-experienced bull market that will just keep going up, or should we prepare for a decline? A return to the long-term stock market growth mean is in the 7 to 9% area. It's certainly not 10, 12, 15, or 20% a year. This past October, November, we gave our viewpoint and made strong suggestions that it would be prudent to realize profits. In other words, sell stocks that have generated large profits in preparation for the next stock market decline, which always occurs after large run-ups. A year and a half ago, we called for a sell-off and admittedly missed it by several weeks. But the sell-off we experienced at the end of the year or January, which actually did occur, is not enough to qualify for a reversion to the mean. In plain speak, I do expect a larger sell-off as we move into the spring. It will take a large sell-off to return to the long-term stock market trend, which is up, but not up as much as it has been the past two years. 
So yes, over this decade, I expect higher stock market prices, but first a major decline. So preserving capital, to me, is more important than continuing with last year's investment portfolio or anticipating a continuation day after day, week after week of recent year's successes. The long term of the United States financial markets is quite favorable, in my opinion, but the potential of black swan events now, whether they be China or Russia or European Union stability or oil-related or many other relations, threatens the markets and prices near term. Now is an important time to recall that trillions of dollars pass through our financial markets every day, and those who control those large funds number only a few hundred sovereign wealth funds, mutual funds, hedge funds, and family offices. When we are trading near historical highs in the U.S. bond and stock markets, with markets in most other countries presently declining, a knee-jerk move to protect these profits is predictable and, I think, predictable fairly soon. The so-called smart money will then await the sell-off and plan to re-enter these markets at lower prices. Here's an example. When U.S. home prices in 2008-2010 went into a down spiral in many markets, prices dropped 30% or more. Many of you remember that. Some of the large investors just mentioned in recent podcasts put together new companies and funded them with billions of dollars in equity and debt. That was during the decline in the house prices. These new companies bought tens of thousands of houses that went into foreclosure from the banks. The next step after scooping up these foreclosed homes that bankrupted many former homeowners was to either create new securities based on the future rents from these newly bought homes and or create real estate investment trusts that they could sell stock in to create massive profits in the part of the cycle when house prices again go up, which they did. And the investors did. If you want more specifics, go to the website of Invitation Homes. Invitation Homes bought 80,000 homes and has used them as a rental portfolio. I'll post the link to Invitation Homes on the SoundCloud account. I really encourage you to take a look. You'll find out that Blackstone, which I've mentioned in prior podcasts, which is one of the largest owners of stock in the global stock markets and is absolutely one of the small hundreds of global investment groups just mentioned. They made billions of dollars available to buy foreclosed homes and ultimately sold the shares in the companies created to realize really substantial profits knowing that home prices on the other side of the cycle would be going up. And Invitation Homes was founded by the Blackstone BlackRock group of executives. So all this was quite intentional. It was just a matter of waiting for the prices to really drop and then move in and take advantage. And that's exactly the modus operandi in the stock and bond markets. We are near the time, in my opinion, that the largest global investors will take their profits in the United States, sending prices much lower as more groups try to protect their capital and wait for a future time at much lower stock market prices again to reinvest, maybe 2023, maybe 2024. This morning, January 31st, is an example of the changing appetites that I've been referring to. The changing appetites by the small number of mega investors around the globe. Nikolai Tangen is the head of Norway's $1.3 trillion sovereign wealth fund. 
yes, $1.3 trillion under his management, which for perspective includes, among many other assets, holdings of 2% of all the publicly traded oil companies around the world. And I'm including Shell, BP, Exxon, the very large companies, as well as many, many of the smaller ones. He indicated this morning that the world's bond and stock markets are in for a decade of low returns. What does that mean in plain speak? He's looking to sell part of his bond and stock holdings and search for alternative investments. Of course, the media doesn't cover anything that's complicated, given that the global sports and international intrigue give them much more material during the 24-hour news cycle. But we should pay attention to the thinking of the small number of investors that control the majority of global investment flows. In summary, be cautious, review your higher education needs, review your investments, and above all, appreciate that every market goes through cycles, ups and downs, and act accordingly. Be sure to email us at rtornadin at uclaextension.edu on more specific questions, which we will answer either personally or select as part of our future podcast. Hosted by Business and Legal Programs Director Roger Tornadin. This podcast is presented by UCLA Extension and produced by Jamie Moss at Studio 10960. These podcasts are made for educational purposes and are not financial advice. The goal is to educate and provide resources on focused economic and job trends with the latest support research so that you can make more informed financial and career decisions that best suit your personal needs. UCLA Extension offers more than 5,000 online and in-classroom courses taught by over 2,000 leading practitioners to help you get from here to there. For more information on this podcast or our financial and legal programs, please check us out at www.uclaextension.edu. We know it's about your life, not just your money.